I had lost all hope. I literally couldn't see, even have delusions about my future. I woke up one day down by the river, robbed, beat up, with a fever, dope sick. And I ended up in emergency. And, and I said to the doctor, I said, like, if I don't get some real help, I'm going to die. And, and I just knew it. I felt it with every fiber of my being. But you know what? I was okay with that. Because anywhere was better than that. Is there anyone out there? From Darkness to Life explores the stories of real people who've navigated their way out of life's toughest situations, emerging with greater strength and resilience. If these stories remind you of your own journey and you or someone you know need help, our collective journey is here for you. Whenever you're ready to take that next step, reach out to us at ourcollectivejourney.ca. Hey, I'm Ryan, and this is another episode from Darkness to Life, your weekly dose of inspiration and resilience. And today, I'm back here in the Plugged In Media Network studio. Uh, this is the place for all our listeners who are familiar with the show. This is this is pretty much where the magic happens. We're here to bring you, you know, various powerful narratives of resilience, growth, recovery, and hope. Uh, if you want to stay connected with us beyond the airwaves, be sure to follow us on Instagram at FDTL podcast for all things from darkness to life. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. So please drop us a line at info at our collective Let us know your thoughts, any suggestions, maybe you have a journey from darkness to life of your own that you want to share with us. And uh, that's a great place to reach out and connect. You never know, maybe you'll be a guest on the FDTL show one of these days. Uh, with that, get ready to uh, listen to this transformative story from our next guest. Uh, joining us in studio today is somebody I've gotten to know over the last year. And actually, um, as you listen to her unfold her story here, you'll see how things kind of come full circle for her. And uh, this is definitely a journey from darkness to life. And uh you know, without shedding too much light on your story, I think you found your purpose. And I think uh, I can just tell from the, the radiant grin on your face that that you're in a good place today, right? So welcome, Larissa. Hi. Glad to have you here today. I know you made the trip from uh, from the West. You came from, in from Calgary. Yeah, came yeah. in from Calgary. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Oh, Appreciate yeah. it. Absolutely. We've been looking forward to this episode for a while, getting it on the on the recording so here you are in studio and we didn't have to do zoom here we are perfect yeah, that's perfect so for any of the listeners who don't know larissa which i'm sure some don't uh, larissa is going to share some of her journey with us but she is now um spoiler spoiler alert she is now one of our recovery coaches and, and is an employee at our collective journey which we are so grateful that uh, you've come on board and and we know how valuable you are and your story is to connecting with people and and the marvelous work, the feedback from individuals that you're helping is is evident that uh, you're doing some amazing things. Thank you. That's actually, that's honoring. Thank oh, you my gosh. very much. Well, um, what do you say about sharing a little bit of your journey with us? Absolutely. Great. Then Shall the listeners I? don't have to listen to me talk very much. Shall I start somewhere from the beginning? Yeah. Why don't you go back to, uh, you know, what it was like, you know, what, what, your journey through addiction looked like, you know, what were some of the real hardships, the struggles that you went through and, and 
not to glorify any of it, right? Just to mm-hmm. just to relate to people that are out there struggling with the same types of things right now. And I know, sure. as well as you know, people, when you're in that lifestyle, it's, there isn't much hope, no. right? There isn't much light and there isn't much, uh, for me, there wasn't any thought of getting out of it. I didn't know how. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was possible at the end, right? So, right. yeah, I know that's why we share the parts about our story that we do so that we can kind yeah. of resonate with people who are still out there yeah. stuck in those same spots, but then hit them with the light. Okay. Well, like Ryan said, my name is Larissa. Um, I guess, you know, I'll start somewhat from the beginning. I, uh, I grew up in, in an amazing small town in Ontario and I had every opportunity in the world. I came from a really, really good family. Mm-hmm. Um, I had three brothers, a mom and a dad, and I went to University of Hawaii for marine biology. I went to university in France for marine sciences as well. I traveled, I had friends, I made connections. Life was amazing. Like I said, I had every opportunity in the world. Um, I didn't want or need for anything growing up. My my father was a really good provider financially in that way. So I, I guess it, it started to turn around when my mother passed away. It was about 27. You know, I had, I had such a bright future ahead of me that I had planned for myself. And when my mother passed away, um, the loss was just too much. Yeah. And so I consciously just did anything and everything I could to numb that. Mm. Um, you know, I've been, I've been addicted to pretty much every single substance you could think of. Um, but I ended up addicted to fentanyl, an opiate addict for over 15 years. Yeah. And I ended up addicted to fentanyl um, because that's what was most prominent, you know, in the end. But um, I was, you know, I had my whole life ahead of me. And then in a very, very short period of time, um, I completely burnt my life to the ground. Yeah. I mean, I tried working for a bit. That didn't pan out, of course, because my addiction was just taking over everything in my life. I, um, I ended up in a toxic, abusive relationship for 13 years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And by the end of that, um, it got so bad that I walked out from anything that I had from where I was living, from everything I owned. Um, and I was ended up being homeless on the street because my thought was, anywhere is better than here. <clears throat> yeah. Anywhere. Wow. Anywhere is better than here and I don't care what it is. And I walked out the door mm-hmm. with a pair of flip-flops on pair of pants and a shirt and that was it and I was homeless for over a year after that wow and things you know when you when you get to that level of acceptance that anything is going to be better than what this is today yeah it must have been really bad right yeah yeah It, it, it was it was really bad and you know I spent so many years trying to convince myself that um I could fix someone mm-hmm you know, I could just love somebody enough to make them better. And, 
you know, now looking back on it through just all of the personal growth and healing that I've done, I had put myself in the exact same position that I had grown up with. Mm. So I unconsciously chose to be with a, a man who had every single negative trait of my father growing up because that was normality to me. I was used to that. It was normal. And I thought that even though normal wasn't healthy, I was comfortable. Mm -hmm. So that was home. That toxicity was home. Right. right? Yeah. And and that's, I'm sure that sounds very strange to some listeners. Right. But I know based on my story, what you grow up in, you don't know anything different. Right. And that's the normality piece that you're talking about. Yeah. it, it can go from, you know, toxic environments to unstable environments to alcohol and drugs in the environment. Yeah. And as a youngster growing up, you don't know any different. No. No. I, that's something I can sure relate yeah. to. Wow. And especially when it's, you know, don't see, don't talk, don't tell. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely yeah. not. Nobody right? gets to look behind that curtain. Nope. 100%. So, yeah. um but yeah, you know, I had tried over over the 15 plus years being addicted to opiates. I think I tried everything to to get off of them. Mm-hmm. So I tried quitting cold turkey. I tried methadone. I tried Suboxone. I tried Supplicate. I tried weaning myself off. I was in the hospital. I can't count how many times I was in jail detoxing on that concrete floor. Wow. Um, that was always fun. And you know, after countless countless times of trying to do it myself um and not being able to sustain sobriety for any longer than a month Mm -hmm. and you know the withdrawal coming off of opiates is 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 pretty hard especially when you're coming off them cold turkey and even after putting myself through that torture and pain multiple times i would still always go back to using them Mm -hmm. What would you, if I can just interrupt you mm. right there, Larissa, I've heard this time and time again from people, you know, out in community and, and just members of the general public, right? When they see somebody who's struggling with addiction, um, a lot of those individuals get labeled as, you know, an addict or, you know, trouble to society or whatever that looks like, right? And you, you discussed how time and time again, you detoxed while incarcerated on a cement floor, stuff mm. like that, right? And I, I get the same comments a lot of times from individuals is, man, when's enough? Like, why don't they just quit? Why, what's it going to take for someone to quit, right? Don't they know they're ruining their lives? All these things, right? So what would you say to somebody who has that kind of response to, you know, when they see somebody like that, like you or like me, what would you say to them? Kind of throw you on the spot here. No, that's okay. Um, I'm not sure if I would have much of a response to them. Mm -hmm. I have my own internal response because I understand, right? Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, And when I see somebody in that position, I know that the answer is, God, why can't they just quit already? Mm -hmm. I think that, that people, a lot of people, when they haven't, been through it or been around somebody that's going through it they just lack the understanding and Mm -hmm. I think that um, there's also a lack of of support for people in those positions 
So, you know, every time that I wanted to be sober and in mm. recovery, I had never been there before. Right. Right. I had never been on that healing journey before. I didn't even realize that there was a healing journey that I had to take. Mm. I just thought, okay, I can stop doing this and everything will be better. My father, God rest his soul, was this old school Italian man and used to say all the time, I don't understand. Just quit doing drugs and work. Mm -hmm. And you know what? When you start working, then you'll have money and you can just do them a little bit. <laughs> well, I tried that too. Yeah. And you know, hey, that didn't work either. Yeah. Right. Um, but that was his mentality. Mm -hmm. Right. That was his, his, his mentality of success was being able to sustain work. Yeah. And then still go out and use because my father was an alcoholic and that's what he would do. Right. And he built a business, had a family, made a lot of money. Um, but that's not necessarily my definition of success. Yeah, for sure. Right. At yeah. all. And I think that there was just even coming out of jail and even being in the doctor's offices multiple times and getting prescriptions to help me get off these opiates. Um, they only had that one avenue of support and thought that that would that's the answer right right so take these pills you'll be fine detox on this concrete floor do some time in jail you'll be fine and there was never any further support mm -hmm. or even any further knowledge or information shared on what actually a healthy recovery looks like and what potentially might be needed in that journey to success. Right. 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 And so every single time I would, it would fail. Yeah, absolutely. What fail. you just laid out about, you know, the, the medical model where you would go see the medical professionals, right. And you'd get a prescription and that should yeah. get you off drugs or you detox on the concrete floor. Now you should be good, right? Yeah. Those would have all worked fine, in my opinion, if the drugs were the problem. Right. Right? Exactly. <laughs> the drugs are the solution That's right. to the underlying problems. You're and taking away my solution. Totally. Now I need another solution. Right, right. And the solution never was a problem no. until it became a problem. Until it was. <laughs> until we crossed that line into full-blown active addiction where right. all the brain changes happen, right? And yep. nothing else matters after that. And it's, yep. not a, it's not a choice anymore. No. 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 Wow. It's very involuntary. Mm -hmm. right. You know, it's, it's something that you have to do to survive. That's what, that's what it became. Yeah. Um, They're not kidding when they, when the phrase out there, you know, drugs hijack your brain oh, and yeah. addiction hijacks your brain. It's no joke. Right. And mm -hmm. until I've said this before, until I got educated on addiction, once I got on the other side of it and yeah. got into recovery and got educated and went to school and learned some things, I just thought I should be able to stop. Mm -hmm. And couldn't figure out why I couldn't stop. Yeah. And then I was a failure. And then I was a loser. And then I ended up suicidal because I couldn't stop. And now society looks at you as a failure. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was one of the, one really difficult thing for me coming into recovery. Well, actually, it wasn't difficult. I knew that I'm, I'm the type of person that 100% it doesn't matter what anybody else says. I'm going to do what I want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and 
every other time I would I would get sober. And I my emotions, what I was going through, my hurt, my pain, it would just become too much. And no matter what anybody else said, I was going out to use. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was finding that dope and I, it didn't matter, right? Yeah. And no amount of willpower, willpower had nothing <laughs> to do with that because I, I didn't even care. I'm like, well, this is pointless. I'm not even going to try not to use because I want to. So I'm going to do, yeah. I'm just going to do that. So coming into recovery, I knew, so I know myself that way and I know that... I had to find a way to make myself not want to use. Mm -hmm. And that was a really powerful statement for me because I know that if I want to, I will. So I was willing to try and do every single solitary thing that I had my power in doing to make myself not want to use because I know I have zero willpower. Mm-hmm. So on started that journey. Wow. <laughs> on started that journey. Yeah. That's cool to hear. Yeah. And and I can speak for everyone, I think, at OCJ that uh, we're very glad that you started that journey. Right. Cause we all know where addiction takes us. Right. And it gets yeah. to some real dark and lonely places. Oh, that I'm sure a lot of the listeners out there know what we're talking about. Right. If you've yeah. been there, you know, that's the yeah. common thread. You know, I think, uh, when I was, when I was homeless in Calgary, um, like I said, like I come from a, I come from a really good family <laughs> in the sense that, we have all, all of my brothers and I have always been there for each other mm-hmm. regardless, but we all four of us mm-hmm. fell into addiction together and we all be, we all use this, the same type of drug, unfortunately. But, um, I lost contact with them when I was homeless. I broke up with my ex who I had been with for 13 years. My father just passed away. My older brother had passed away, so then I only had two brothers left. Um, I couldn't find them after I walked out um, from being with my ex. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't sure how to navigate being homeless on the street. I bet. Right? Like, yeah, I had had been in addiction for a lot of years, but... um, it's a it's a different game out there. Yeah, you know? oh, for sure. Um, and but you know what? It could have actually been worse. I'm I'm really grateful because the things that I've seen and the other people that I've spoken with and my friends and or you know people that were in that same type of position as, as me. Um, I'm I'm really grateful that I didn't have to go through a lot of the things that they did. Wow. And I'm not exactly sure how that happened, but it did. Mm-hmm. So, but I was there alone and I was by myself. And uh, that was a huge learning lesson for me as well. I think I had huge codependency issues with, with my brothers, right? 
um, until I could realize that it's okay to be without them. And I really had to learn what love really is, what support really consists of. But, you know, I got to a place where I was so out of options and I was so done. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't even pretend that I had any type of future. You know, years prior, I would dream about reconnecting with my friends and being back at home out at my cottage on the lake and doing this and doing that. And, you know, I could dream about those things still. But it came to the point where I was just like, I'm not fooling myself anymore. This isn't going to happen. There's no way out of this. Like, I'm, I had lost all hope. I literally couldn't see, even have delusions about my future. Mm-hmm. I woke up one day down by the river, robbed, beat up, with a fever, dope sick, had an infection in my leg going to my heart. I was a hot mess. <laughs> I was a hot mess. It was bad. Covered in dirt. <laughs> um, and I crawled for help and I ended up in emergency but you know I had been spending I mean because of my my drug habits I had was getting sick all the time Mm -hmm. and I I had been in emergency you know once every month for for years but this time was different so when I ended up in emergency um I I said to the doctor And I had never said this before, but I knew, I absolutely knew I just didn't have another run left in me. And and I said to the doctor, I said like, and I never lie when I go to the hospital. So I always tell them I'm an opiate addict. Um, I'm, I'm really honest, but I said, if, if I don't get some real help, I'm going to die. I, if I go back out there, you will never see me again because I'm going to die. Wow. And and I just knew it. I felt it with every fiber of my being. But you know what? I was okay with that. Because anywhere was better than that. Yeah, <laughs> than there, I right? Bet. Anywhere was better than there. Mm-hmm. So I had come to that point again. But I was out of options and I was out of hope. And the doctor looked at me and he said, Okay, well, we're discharging you tomorrow. And I said, what? <laughs> I'm like, and, 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 you know, I wasn't quite sober yet. So I'm like, maybe, maybe there's no words coming out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe I'm not saying things properly. Maybe I can't get speak. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I tried speaking with the doctor and I'm like, no, you, you don't understand. If I don't get some help, I'm going to die. And he's like, no, I do understand, but we're discharging you tomorrow. Wow. So I literally threw my hands up in there and said, okay, well, hey, it's, it's, it's either one or the other. I don't have any other options I, I, and I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. And I was okay with that. Wow. And, and you know, that feeling you're talking about with being okay with that. I think that that gets to be a common feeling amongst people who have went down, you know, certain paths like we have, and you reach out 
when in that moment of need, right? In that window of opportunity, right? Yeah. And and it's maybe not answered, right? And and I know for myself, and I'm getting that feeling from you, Larissa, is I did what I was supposed to do, right? I was supposed to reach out when I needed help, and now they're telling me that I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. And it's not a slight against the medical system at all, right? Their capacity, they yeah. there's a lot of things going on, but that's at the end of the day, that's the feelings we get, right? Yeah. yeah. And 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 I understood, right? I wasn't mm-hmm. I wasn't angry. I was just like, well, holy shit. <laughs> oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Like that's that's these these are the cards I'm dealt and that's it is it's gonna be what it is. And so um I couldn't even think any further than, you know, an hour. Yeah. Right. And by, by the grace of God and Facebook, <laughs> um, our collective journey found me. I had a recovery coach from our collective journey reach out to me um, because she saw, she had realized that I was in the hospital from seeing something on Facebook and um, she knew me. She came and I, I thought I was seeing things. <laughs> and when I saw her because of her hair color and her eyes and everything, I, I swear to God, I thought I was seeing an angel. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening right now? And I was <clears throat> like, oh, oh my God. And I said to her, I told her what was happening. And I said, and I didn't know that she worked for our collective journey. At the time, it, she may have told me, but it didn't register. But I said, listen, I need help. I need some real help. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know what that looks like. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it looks like. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I don't care. If she would have said jump off a bridge, I would have done it. Wow. Because I was that desperate. <clears throat> um, and she helped me. She helped me get into detox. She helped get me into treatment. God, there's so many other things. I mean, I didn't have a bank account. I didn't have ID. I didn't have clothes. I, you know, she gave me that hope. She gave me that hope. Yeah. And with just the tiniest bit of that hope and that support, I think I just hit the ground running as fast as I could and as far away as I could from where I just was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it was that, that, that saved me. Right. Because I was out of options. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I really love that piece around the desperation you'd spoke about, right? You were, you were willing to jump off a bridge and you were that desperate, right? For help. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, through my experience and hundreds of other people I know who are in recovery now, that desperation is something that I believe you need to keep with you. And as you go on your recovery journey, right? Keep that moment of desperation with you so that when you find these new resources or find this new thing that you want to try out, how desperate are you to benefit or, you know, strengthen your recovery? Should I try this? You know, because it all comes with fear. Change and fear go hand in hand, right? For a lot of people. 
But what really helps, and I don't know if it helped you or not, but or maybe it still continues to because it sure does me, is that moment of desperation, right? Like, how desperate am I to better my quality of life? I'm pr- I, I want to see what the next level looks like, right? Yeah. And it's always carry that desperation with you because the circumstances around it change, but the feeling you can take with you, right? And remember what that feeling is like. Yeah, I... Uh... Sorry, that was a bit of a tangent, but no, no, that's, I, I that's love okay. when you speak about the desperation because that can be the the actual turning point, right? People always talk to me about rock bottom and what does that look like? And and it's different for everybody, right? But I always say that I think rock bottom is contingent on what action you take when you get there because it can go way worse. It can get a oh, lot yeah. lower and a lot worse, right? And maybe you hear that all the time. Well, where's their bottom, right? Well, who knows, right? It's dependent on how desperate you are and what action you want to take. Or is the bottom going to grab a shovel and keep digging, right? Because that's how I was. I'm like, man, this is, but at least it's not that bad yet. I'll just keep going. It'll get better. Well, I think that, that, you know, when I, when I think to myself, could have it, could it have gotten any worse? Because I'm like, seriously, I had no other direction to go but up, right? But I mean, it, it could have gotten a little worse, but not much. Yeah. But I wasn't willing to allow it to get that any any worse than it already was. Mm-hmm. Because I knew that anything else that would happen would just be so damaging to my soul that I was never sure if I'd be able to get that back yet. Mm-hmm. Never yet. I had already put myself through so much. I mean, it was me who allowed myself to go through toxic abuse and addiction and it was it was my choices that allowed myself to get to that point mm-hmm. right so wow. n- no one else's they, they were all mine mm-hmm. and and I knew what I was doing right yeah what well, sounds yeah it, it's remarkable in those moments right and and I know your story from there forward and a lot of times it's about flipping that that dark moment on its head, right? And looking at it from a different way. And for me, listening to your story, right? That's the darkest moments of your life, but it's also where the light started to creep in. Mm-hmm. You just shared how your recovery coach came in, right? And you thought she was an angel. And I, 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 I actually did. <laughs> like I, I told her that. I'm like, I, I actually thought I was hallucinating <laughs> from from going through withdrawals. And I had to like double take and I'm like... Oh my God. Right. Wow. Uh, yeah. It is. <laughs> that's so funny. Like, I'm not just saying that. I actually thought that's what was happening. And I was like, oh my God. Right. But it's it's yeah. happening. I'm going crazy. <laughs> but she was there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's amazing, right? Because now that you're, you know, X amount of time removed from that moment and listening to you share from your experience going through that moment, right? That's the first moments where the light started. Yeah. To- to come in, right? And and yeah. the journey started to change direction. Yeah. And and that's what it takes, right? It sometimes it, it could be a hundred different people walk through that door, but it's yeah. the right person with the right message and yeah. the right aura. Yeah. Right. And and not only that, but so um my one of my brothers was in recovery at the time and he found me in the hospital. And that's how my recovery coach saw me on Facebook was because he posted a picture and everybody thought it was dead. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Pretty much was. But 
when I asked him, I need help, what do I do? He said, talk to your doctor. Tell them that you want this, this, that, and the other thing. So I did that and nothing happened. Mm -hmm. Nothing went forward from there. So, you know, just her being able to support me and connect me with those resources in the proper way. You know, she, she did actually have to support me to the point where almost had to take me by the hand because there was no other way there. I had no other options. I didn't have anybody, anyone. For sure. Um, but because of that, I was able to start my journey. Right. Yeah. So other people were able to give me advice, but not support. Mm-hmm. And in, there's a big difference. Right? There's a huge support. Huge difference. Yeah. Huge difference. Yeah. Huge. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's the piece that makes a recovery coach maybe a little different than some of the other valuable resources that are out there. Right. Is right. that that is part of what we do. Yeah. And that is part of the journey for some people. Right. They don't have the resources and they don't have the necessary tools to find the resources. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's help you get through the door of the first one. And I loved how you put how you put that about how she f- helped you find the correct resources, but in the right order too sometimes, right? Because someday, sometimes at the very start, you're not ready for item number four on the list. We got to do one, two, and three That's before right. you're ready for four. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I had some, I mean, I had some really big challenges. I mean, I had some health problems because of, uh, the damage I had done to my body through addiction. Um, but, you know, and I also still, you know, I, I know that, you know, the medical model I had spoke of before I had spoke of never worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to speak on that a little bit because, you know, I ended up on, on an opiate medication on a very high dose of it, but that's okay. Um, because that's what I needed at the time to help me. I mean, I had been an opiate addict for over 15 years, right? And I knew that quitting cold turkey, I tried it. It wasn't going to work for me. Right. It just wasn't. Um, but I knew that also just doing that didn't work either. Mm-hmm. So... Um, once again, my recovery coach said, well, why don't you try everything? <laughs> you know, why don't you try do it going on the medication, you know, seeing what your doctor says, helping it out that way. And I made up every excuse. And like, I don't trust doctors. I don't, For don't, sure. you know, um, so I, I had to try everything. So I was on an opioid medication for, you know, seven months. Um, and then I slowly weaned myself off. But in saying that, I also had to change every single aspect of my life, right? So I went to detox, then I went to treatment. Um, you know, she helped me get into Aventa, phase two and phase three. Wow. I went into a sober living home. I did extra programming, I did a day program. You know, I, I think some of the best advice I, I've ever taken was take a year of your life and completely dedicate it to just recovery. Mm-hmm. And to me, 
that meant the evolution and stability of my soul. So who I was. So minus any external things like a job, mm-hmm. you know, um, like other people, like relationships yeah. on, on an intimate level. Um, I just complete. I didn't, you know, I didn't even know how I liked my coffee and eggs in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I believe it. I, yeah, there were so many things and I'm still figuring out who, who I am, mm-hmm. you know, but at least I have somewhat of a knowing now. Yeah. Right. And I got to really, really come in touch with those things and get to learn those things about myself. But I had to change every aspect of my life from, from how I speak, how I connect with others, how I speak to myself. Mm, That's a big one. Yeah. You know, I had to, I really put a lot of focus on rewiring those old neural pathways in my brain and taking a look at my old behavioral patterns and taking a look at my past childhood trauma and how it relates to my to my adult trauma mm-hmm. and and what that looks like and why right i i've i've really taken i've had the opportunity and i've had the grace to really focus on myself and you know i i know that that it might seem like you know because I completely burnt my life to the ground and ended up on the street with nothing but the clothes on my back. But that, to me, I had a phenomenal opportunity to start off with nothing. Mm -hmm. And when I say nothing, I mean that in a really positive way, that I had the opportunities to start with a clean slate um, and completely have the time and space to focus on myself because that's what I really needed. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's one of the, one of the coolest pieces of advice or suggestions that any guest has given on this show is that part around focusing on yourself for one year. Right. And, and your recovery. I know that, that I don't want to say it was verbatim, but something very similar was suggested to me at the start of my recovery. Right. And it's foundational, yeah. I think, to, to my recovery, and it sounds like it is to yours, right? It's that piece around putting yourself first to get better, right? Um, for me, it was explained to me, right? You can go and get the job. You can go and get the relationship, all these things, right? But if it comes ahead of your recovery and you have a setback and you go back out using, all that stuff's gone anyway. Yeah. So what's the purpose of building that up without getting the foundation? You know, I've had... Not financial stability, but financial freedom. Mm-hmm. I have yeah. made... <laughs> That's one way to put it. I've never quite heard it put like that, but well done. You know, I this is the first time in, in 15 years that I've worked legally. But in the last 15 years, I've never worked harder. Yeah. Right? Um, but I, I, I had all the money I could want. But it wasn't sustainable. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't sustainable because me as a human being and who I was internally, even though my intentions were good, every decision that I was making was so life depleting. Right. And it affected, like dominoes, every single person, place, and thing around me. Mm-hmm. 
And so, you know, today my definition of success has really changed. You know, I have goals of being financially stable and getting my license back and getting a car again. (laughs) And, you know, being able to cross the border and and these things. Um, But they are all just goals. Mm -hmm. And the most important thing to me is the stability of who I am. And that, to me, doesn't come with all these other things that I attain. Because if my soul isn't evolving and isn't stable at the same time, nothing else I acquire is sustainable. Mm -hmm. Wow. It will all crumble. Nailed it. That is, oh man, that's, that's amazing what you just shared. Because so many people overlook that piece, I think. Yeah. Right? And, And how easy everything can come crashing down again if you don't get that stability or that foundation of who you are mm-hmm. and, and and that soul piece, I think. I think there's a really big reason why they say, know thyself. They really mean it. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> there's so much to that statement for a reason. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. And, and, you're speaking my language now, Larissa, because when I can distinctly remember going through my emotional wellness modules when I was at treatment the second time and really not knowing how to answer any of those questions on core values and beliefs mm-hmm. and these things. Because once I got really focused on who am I in order to move forward in my recovery, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know any of these values. I knew what they meant. But I didn't believe them. Once I started to really look at them, I thought these were just kind of ingrained in me from a young age that they weren't my values. They were just what I was brought up in and I was told to value this. So yeah, I can completely understand what you're saying when you had to find yourself. You had to change everything. I had to really, um, you know, I grew up in organized religion and, you know, (laughs) 30 years of indoctrination um, can be tricky (laughs) (laughs) to come out of. But, you know, I, I said to one of my family members the other day, I've been to hell. I've talked to the devil and neither one is real. You know, I guess I choose not to fear the things that I don't know anymore. I choose to understand them. Because when I look at the homeless people in the street, I don't judge them or fear them because I am them. I was there. And I get it. Yeah. Right? And, uh, you know, and talking about values and, you know, the the values that you hold in recovery or just the values of who you are. Um, I took a really great program, the on a dime program that helped me, you know, when I started that program, I was like, (laughs) I've been an opiate addict for 15 years. Who in the hell is ever going to want to hire me? There's no way. And by the end of that program, I was like, who wouldn't want to hire me? (laughs) That's amazing. You know, um, 
when, when I was able to deal with my grief and my shame and my loss, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of, of good talents and strengths that come out of that, that came out of my time of addiction. Right. But I also had to remember that I am not just an addict. Yeah. So much more to me than just those 15 years. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not 15 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I really had the chance to tap back into that, to tap back into the things that I'm passionate about, the things that I love to do, um, my passions, my talents, my strengths, my values, you know, really understand integrity and transparency and being my authentic self mm-hmm. and realize that I know everything and nothing all at the same time. You know, what you're talking about now is... It's almost like, you know, it's not going to work for everybody. Our recoveries are different, mm-hmm. but this is a, a solid roadmap. It, it's the, it's the guide, right? You're going to do it differently than I did it. The next person's going to do it a little differently, but a lot of the topics that you've shared with us today, and thank you for being so open and vulnerable with them, is a guide. These are highly suggested things from people that have lived it, right? And people that you know, people that I know that have lived it. Mm. And now they're on the other side of it, living a successful, kind of passionate, purposeful life. Um, we've all done similar things that you've just suggested, right? And and I can't stress enough how important that open-minded piece is and that willingness to try some of these suggestions is because it's life-changing. Well, you know, you know what's amazing is that, you know, when I say that, that I've had to change everything about my life. I mean, I even changed the type of water I drink, <laughs> right? But I've had to try so many things, right? Yes, this worked for me. No, this doesn't work for me. And what's so amazing is that I actually have that choice. Mm-hmm. It feels good because I can try things that work. If I don't know what I don't want, I'll never know what I want. Yeah. Right? It's, it's so true. Yeah. and But now I have the ability and the capacity to make that choice, mm-hmm. right? Whereas I didn't before. Yeah. I think that's such a cool way to phrase that is, you know, if I don't know what I don't want, how are, how's somebody going to know what they want? That's right. And I heard a, another podcast the other day where the individual was talking about when they're asked, well, what do you want to be or who do you want to be? And that's such a vague question, right? When you're early in recovery... Who knows what that's going to look oh. like? It'll change so many times as you yeah. move forward, right? I find it very helpful to look at it as and and understand, really navigate what you don't want to be or who you don't want to be anymore, right? And then that makes it easier, yeah. like you were saying, makes it easier to to move forward and understand what things are cool out there and what you want to check into. You know, somebody asked me that question about seven months ago. You know, where do you see yourself in? In five years. <laughs> yeah. Like, I might, I have an idea who this person was. <laughs> and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And they're like, well, what are those boards called? Do a vision board. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I still had an issue with that because sometimes I do have to do things my way, but I understood <laughs> the concept. Yeah. Um, but I still, I wasn't 
yet prepared to think in that type of direction because that was once again doing a vision board were just things they were things to me Mm -hmm. right and I didn't want to focus on those things I wanted to focus on how I wanted to feel so when they said where do you see yourself in five years I said confident in my choices confident that I'm not going to go back to where I was understanding where I'm going. I think I said, if my eyes were to be taken, I could see far better than he was sight. And if my voice were to be silenced, it would echo throughout the halls of eternity and beyond. And because I choose not to focus on the things, I choose to focus on how I feel and who I am. And to me, that's what will propel me forward. Wow. Right? What a cool statement. I mean, I, I'm just sitting here in awe over some of the things you've said, right? Listening and, and knowing where you've come from and the things you've been through. And then to sit and have this conversation with you today across the table, is, it's nothing short of a miracle, I think. <laughs> where where <laughs> yeah, you're I at today, right? It is. It's crazy. Yeah. I'm like, wow. And you know what's what what's what's nuts to me, Ryan, is that it was a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Right, like this like a year and a half. No, this isn't a decade ago. No, right? this is like it's a year and a half ago. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I, I'm blown away. Right, because I didn't think that this was possible. I I didn't think that having this level of peace and internal joy and happiness and gratitude for every single solitary thing that I have in my life was possible. And I mean, from the exterior world, I don't really have that much. I still have a bus pass. (laughs) But I am so abundant. I just feel that abundance within myself. And you know what's great is that nobody can ever take that away. Right? Because I cultivate that peace and that joy myself, Mm -hmm. within myself. For sure. And I couldn't, if you would have asked me a year and a half ago, I couldn't even conceive of this. I I couldn't even have fathomed it. Mm -hmm. There there would be no way. For sure. You know, and listeners have probably heard me quote this gentleman before, but I have a friend of mine who's in long-term, like, he's one of my recovery mentors, if I, if I could say that. Um, he says, you know, when he first got in recovery, all he wanted was the obsession and the compulsion to use drugs removed. That's all he was looking for, to have a choice. And he, he goes on to say, if that's all he got, he would have sold himself so short because the gifts that come that we don't even know about at that moment, right? But over his 19 years of recovery, he's like, man, so many cool things have come my way without any expectations or just because he's working a life of recovery and trying to do the next best thing. Um, yeah, he said it's, it, he's living this life of abundance, like you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't something that he ever dreamt of on day one or right. day 20 or whatever, right? It's, yeah. it's just put one foot in front of the other and keep going. And I think it's I think it's surrendering that outcome, mm-hmm. right? So it's like loving without condition. 
I love myself now. I I didn't love myself at all before. And, you know, learning who I am and honoring who I am, valuing who I am, trusting who I am and loving who I am, it's all without condition. Mm-hmm. And it's all with... Having no expectation of the outcome, but also in saying that, with every moment and every day always being my authentic self, because with that, you know, I have the choice today to become and be the woman that I really want to be, right? And... And if I do that, if I'm my authentic self every moment, I'm okay with whatever outcome comes my way. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the same as loving without condition. I love myself and I present myself to the world that way with my authenticity. And I surrender the outcome because I don't have any conditions on it. Wow. Right? Yeah. <coughs> and... uh but you know, it's still it's been quite the it's 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 a lot of uh, it's a lot of facing your demons and owning them, mm-hmm. right? And and not pushing them down and not ignoring them. And I've had to work really hard to not feel shame yeah. and guilt. I've had to really work through that shame and guilt mm-hmm. and honor it all, but move through it. Yeah. I think that's the big piece you just said about moving through it, right? We can honor it and we can acknowledge it, but how are we going to move through it, right? So it doesn't carry that weight on us anymore. Mm -hmm. It doesn't control our emotions and feelings. And especially going back to that way we talk to ourselves. I know for me, that guilt and shame fueled a lot of that negative self-talk, right? Yeah. And nobody knew I was doing it. You can, that's the beauty of self-talk. That's right. You can do it anywhere. (laughs) You can hide it all the time. Right? Until you can't, until it gets so overwhelming, but- I think that's another uh, another critical piece to, you know, bettering quality of life is is how are we going to move through it, right? And it's it's about, you know, for me and I and I know in some of your journey, it's about connection, right? It's about getting the right connections in place to help you move through that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you know, over the course of this episode, Larissa, we've talked about your journey, right? And, and we moved through some of the darkness. We found that turning point that you talked about mm-hmm. in the hospital, right? Yeah. And I can't help but notice, you know, the last part of this episode, the passion has come out <laughs> in you, right? And yeah. And you even mentioned that, right? It's about a life of passion and 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 finding your purpose in life. And it sounds like you're on that path. I, <laughs> I feel like I am. Yeah. You know, I think it's quite evident. I, uh, like I said, I went to university in Hawaii and in France for marine biology. But when I think back to the goals that I had when I was young, when I was taking that, I wanted to open up a clinic so people could bring their sick children or their, so our aunt had Down syndrome and, uh, I had this this theory that mammals could help people heal. And I wanted to open up this clinic with naturopaths and doctors. And anyways, it was all about helping others. Mm-hmm. I wanted to help others. And that 
was my passion, was to help others. And it's funny because I'm in the position to do just exactly that, just in a different way, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, I gave myself a 15-year education you can't buy. (laughs) No, for sure. And there's no certificate for it. No. Right? Um, It's it's one of those educations that we're not going to recommend anyone go try that No, yeah, not not highly recommended (laughs) at all. But it's invaluable. That's right. Yeah. Your experience and what you learned during those 15 years uniquely qualifies you to be in the spot you're in today. And I think not just what I learned during those 15 years, but what I've learned to come out of that, right, Mm -hmm. to me is invaluable as well. And I know that everybody's journey is different. And no, not one recovery is the same. No. Um, But the journey on the way up is way better than the journey on the way down. (laughs) (laughs) For sure, right? Yeah. Oh, man. That is is so true. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Um, What what is... Your, what what is what do things look like now for you? What what do your days look like? I know you obviously I know yeah. where you work and what you do, but yeah. why don't you share with the listeners? You know what what are you doing now to f- find this purpose? What are you doing? What okay. is your yeah? What okay. does your journey look like today? So my journey looks like today. You know, it's funny because I'm up between five and five thirty without an alarm clock nice. every single day. And there's just something about being outside under the stars and the moon that I really connect with. You know, I meditate and do qigong and yoga every morning, um, which are non-negotiables for me. Um, And then I get ready and I start work at 8.30 in the morning. I'm a recovery coach with our collective journey. And I... I'm honored to be able to help support others on their recovery journey as well mm. for what, whatever that looks like for them. So being a recovery coach with OCJ, it's amazing because we meet people where they're at and based on where they say they want to go, we help them navigate that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know in my own journey, it was really hard to get ID, to get a bank account. I had no cell phone. I had no computer. Um, I I had no way to, to connect myself with any of these resources. So I had to jump through all of those hoops, all of that paperwork, all of the system navigate. Oh God, it was, um, it was tedious, but I also had support help do that now I get to help other people do the same Mm -hmm. and not only with with just the material things like that but actually with helping to support others through finding out what they value in their recovery you know and finding ways to sustain what they value the most Mm -hmm. and everybody's values are different yeah yeah and and uh so now I have the opportunity 
yeah, to help others through their journey. And once again, I think, who would want to hire me? Then I'm like, who wouldn't want to hire me? Right. And yeah, I'm, I, uh, I love my life. Like, <laughs> I I, people laugh at me one day, but I, I love my life. Like, yeah. I really, really mean that. I went to see a psychologist and I was telling them about my recovery and my life and everything. And she sits down really close in front of me and she says, Larissa. I said, yes. Tell me how you really feel. I said, oh my God, you think I'm lying. <laughs> he goes, well, this is the thing. We've looked through your medical records. And I'm like, oh yeah, you did, did you? <laughs> He's like, and I just don't understand how somebody who's been through this, you know, are you sure there's nothing you're not telling us? I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you the absolute truth, yeah. right? So sometimes it, it's hard for some people to understand, but it's... It's really just just how I feel. So my mm -hmm. days are, you know, I help support others through their recovery and I get to see different aspects and look at life from different perspectives. And I get to grow not only not only keep growing personally but professionally. And that's amazing as well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And you know that <clears throat> That story about the psychologist, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it is, you know, the anomaly hearing that story if you're in the psychologist's shoes, right? Or the medical professional's shoes, right? Yeah. But I think for the listeners who have listened to this whole episode and many of the other ones we've had, right? This is the story of hope, right? We have to put these stories out there so that the individual who's struggling in the moments we were in where we struggled, right? Mm can see that it's possible. This is yeah. possible. It's not impossible. And I know anyone out there in active addiction or really struggling with whatever it is in their life, right? We've both been there in those moments where life seemed impossible and change is impossible. And this is just the cards I'm dealt and I'll be here forever. Yeah. That's not how it has to be. No. 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 Right? It's as dark and as as hopeless as it may seem, it's not, it doesn't have to be that way. Right. No, and and here sitting across from you today, <laughs> Larissa, Larissa is one of the most inspirational stories that we've had on this show. I know it is because I've been on most of the shows. <laughs> um, we've had a few other ones that where I sit and I'm just in awe of the change in somebody's life when they put their mind to it. Right. And said, I'm going to be open and willing <laughs> to trying this. And it's that piece you spoke about earlier, right? That desperation. Yeah. The open-mindedness, the willingness, the the passion to find your purpose. Because you, you shared with us back when you went to university about what your dream was, right? Yeah. And, and how that's come full circle. Does it look yeah. today like you thought it might look 20 years ago? No. Absolutely <laughs> not. But you know what? The core values are the same. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, I wanted to be a service to others. And I just spent so many years being service to myself and destroying everything around me. Yeah. And so when I think about the times in my life where I was the happiest, I look at the core values that I had then, and some of them are different. 
but my core values are the same. Transparency, integrity, service to others, growth. Yeah. Always growth and evolution, right? Yeah. Wow. Well, you know what? I can speak, I know for a fact, I can speak for everybody who is part of our collective journey that we are so grateful that we cross paths with you and the recovery coach that you spoke of earlier cross paths with you on the day. You know, it all unfolded how it was supposed to unfold, I think. Honestly, I couldn't be more grateful for you guys to have me. <laughs> Just like, oh, wow, really? Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's just, it's such a journey, you know, and just that di disconnection for so many years. Um, sometimes it can get really overwhelming. You know, I just learned how to fill out a tax form. Mm -hmm. For sure. Right? I didn't know. I barely knew how to use the computer. Um, so it can be overwhelming, but like my recovery coach back then helped me through all these things. I don't think I could have a better job. <laughs> I don't. It's like, it, it, it's an amazing, an amazing program that our collective journey has. I wouldn't have made it where I am today without that support. And I don't mean as a career. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wouldn't have made it where I am in my recovery today without that support. Mm -hmm. Wow. When I think it all goes back to, you know, greatly appreciated the, the accolades you just spoke of, but it all goes back to the, the passion and the purpose of the people who are connected to OCJ, right? Because yeah. you have to be, you have to be from a select crew <laughs> to be part of this, right? And it's, yeah. it's becomes very evident when we're talking to people, if they're going to be a fit for what we do because you have to have those you have to have those characteristics right that aren't taught to you you have to yeah. know those feelings right and you yeah. have to have that passion to want to help others and it's not tied to a paycheck or the amount of zeros on my pay it's about other things that fulfill us right it's it's nice to have that don't get me wrong but it's about that fulfillment, right? That, yeah. that purpose you spoke of. Yeah. What is your purpose? Well, I know mine is to help others as well. Well, you know, and I think that questions like, you know, because one of the most important things on my journey was getting to know myself mm -hmm. and starting to love myself. <laughs> you cannot teach that in a textbook. Sometimes that can be a very difficult process. So somebody says to you, okay, love yourself. How do you start doing that? <laughs> show me the list mm -hmm. or show me some direction on how to do that. And there isn't any. Everybody has their own personal experiences of it. But the whole point is, is a lot of people don't have that personal experience of it. So having that personal experience of growth and of getting to know yourself and love yourself and through recovery. I see that in every single person that works for this organization. You're right. There's there's certain things, right? And and I think that that's really important because 
you can't write that in a textbook or read it in a textbook or learn it in class. Mm -hmm. Wow. Oh my, that was, you know what? Like I, I say this so often in our episodes, but definitely one of my favorite ones. (laughs) Right. Because I think it's just the, you know, it's the gratitude that comes with being able to be part of this show every week is getting to talk to individuals that sit across this table or sit through the camera and, and just kind of glimpsing into their lives. Right. But it's that emotion that the individuals bring Right, is, is that piece for me that, that keeps us doing what we're doing is, is that piece around um, the journey, right? It's, 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 aptly named from darkness to life because it's that journey from struggle to what life is like now and, and bettering quality of life. And I, I'm, I feel grateful just to be able to be part of this every week and, and have guests like yourself and not only guests, but when we're talking about you have somebody who's taken the opportunity to, and the trust to come in and get on board with us and work with us because we can hang our sign all over the province. We can do whatever we want to do, but if we can't put the people in place like yourself you know we 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 just are there because we want to be there right and we we, like you said we want to help others and and it is a very fulfilling journey when you have that mindset i think (sighs) wow you and your story and this episode has got me emotional You know, I know that it seems like a pretty low rock bottom, but it could have been worse. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It could have been worse. Me too. It could have been worse. You know what? uh, And it's amazing because, it's amazing because I had the chance to not only come out of it, but learn and grow and heal from it, right? And I think that that's a really prominent trait which allows all of the people who are part of our collective journey In my eyes, that's where their qualifications come from, right? Because if you haven't succeeded at something, then how are you going to help somebody else succeed at the same thing? I'm just going to stop there because... I can probably keep on talking for a lot longer, but I'm not going to. So I, yeah, I couldn't be more honored to be a part of this. And, um, and especially because I never thought that where I was and what I had been through could be of service to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so well, hopefully any of the listeners who have went through this episode 
understand that if you are in need, if you're struggling and you want to change your life, reach out because this lovely individual story could be similar to what yours could look like as well, right? So check it out. Grab yourself a recovery coach. Give us a call. Email us. You never know. You're yeah. one, you know, you're, you're only one decision. As our guest said previously in one of the other episodes, you're only one des- decision away from a totally different life. That's right. Yeah. And uh, when you make that decision and you reach out to us, that's the last one you really have to make by yeah. yourself. Yeah. 100%. So with that, I also think this is a great time to end this episode. Okay. Marissa. Sounds good. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me. This has been so exciting. This has been so much fun. Awesome. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at FDTL Podcast, uh, our website, Facebook. Hunt around, you'll find us. With that, see you next week. Good night, everyone. From Darkness to Life is an Our Collective Journey podcast. These are the real stories of people who've triumphed over the many challenges of life's journey. If you or a loved one needs support, please reach out to ourcollectivejourney.ca. Our commitment is to empower you to build resilience as you journey towards recovery. Consider showing your support by donating online at ourcollectivejourney.ca. Hosted by members of Our Collective Journey. Produced by Rob Pate. Engineered, edited, and directed by Dave Crookshank. From Darkness to Life is a plugged-in media network exclusive. 